Hola, mi gente. My name is Jessica Yanez, and I want you to join me for some wine and chisme. The Wine and Chisme podcast was created to amplify voices across communities of color, all while drinking a glass of wine. From wine talk, interviews, and recaps of all things pop culture, join me every Wednesday for the chisme. Please make sure to check out the Wine and Chisme podcast and other amazing podcasts as part of the Latina Podcasters Network. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money, all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer, so no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify, and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since we discovered Spotify for Podcasters, we have added question box to hear our community's thoughts on our episodes, polls to ask questions on what they think, and so much more. We highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. Welcome everyone. Están escuchando So Violento, So Macabro Podcast. Yo soy Ali. Y yo soy Dee. Y hoy les contaremos de un caso que sucedió en Pennsylvania. El nombre John Doe y Jane Doe son utilizados cuando se desconoce la verdadera identidad de una persona. Según el sistema de National Missing and Unidentified Person, más de 4,400 cuerpos no son identificados en los Estados Unidos anualmente y son nombrados John y Jane Doe. El hallazgo de los restos de una adolescente embarazada cerca de Light River en White Haven, Pennsylvania, motivó a las autoridades a encontrar a la familia de su propio Jane Doe, más cariñosamente nombrada Beth y Baby Doe. Este es el caso de Evelyn Colón. Advertencia: la información de este caso puede ser desencadenante para algunos. Tengan en cuenta que algunos de estos casos pueden involucrar menores de edad, abuso, violación o violencia. Escuchen con precaución. Warning, the information on this case can be triggering to some. Please be advised that some of these cases may involve children, abuse, rape, and violence. Listen with caution. Tengo que decirte algo, pero quiero que lo coja con lo que te voy a decir. Quiero que lo coja tranquila. ¿Y de qué pasó? Para la familia Colón, la incertidumbre dio paso al dolor. Grité y lloré porque dije, no puede ser, no puede ser, porque yo no quiero oírle eso, porque yo, yo, yo tenía esperanza de verla en, en viva. On December 20th, 1976, Kenneth J. 
Jumper Jr., a 14-year-old boy who was walking by Late River spotted what looked like a head next to luggage. Después del horroroso, horroroso hallazgo, Kenneth corrió a casa y le avisó a su hermano de 19 años de lo que vio. Las autoridades llegaron a la escena del crimen y confirmaron que era el cuerpo de una mujer y un bebé descuartizados a, oh adentro de tres maletas. I know. I know. When I heard that, I was like, no, it's, uh, I don't like that. La mujer fue descrita como esa de una adolescente embarazada que estaba a semanas de dar a luz. El cuerpo de la mujer fue descuartizada en 10 pedazos. El torso fue con, cortado en dos partes. So, if you remember the Black Dahlia case, you know how her body was cut in half. So, the torso was cut in two and everything else was cut off. Los investigadores determinaron que su bebé fue removido del cuerpo antes que se haya descuartizado el cuerpo de la mujer. Oh my gosh, she suffered. So, yeah, so the baby was literally removed mm. from the body before it was mutilated in any way. También los detectives concluyen que los cuerpos fueron desembrados 24 horas antes de haber de haberlos encontrado. So all of this happened 24 hours before uh, the bodies were found in the river. But there's also theories that the bodies were actually killed and murdered and dismembered a week before they were found because of the weather. Since it was December, it was cold. The remains were kept cold and intact and not in decomposition. Los cuerpos de las víctimas fueron repartidos en tres maletas. So, las maletas were originally painted blue with... Two of them were painted blue with red, blue, and white stripes going down the side of it. And then the third one was a plated color maleta. So, these three maletas were... That was their original, like, look to them. But the most curious thing about it is that they were, all three of them were painted black. So somebody came along and just painted all of the maletas black. Y les quitaron, you know, the little handles that you get when you're moving the maletas? Yeah. Those handles were removed from the maletas. And uh, authorities thought that, that was, like, pretty weird because usually when they find bodies in, like, in maletas, they keep it the same color and... The handles are intact. Everything's intact. Um, nobody really cares about the exterior of it. Like the outside. It's like they put a lot of like attention and detail to it. Yeah. So they were like, this is weird. Like, Lo más trágico del caso es que la mujer se cree que fue violada antes, de, antes o después de ser asesinada. Based on the, her private parts being violated. The investigators also determined that the death was by strangulation. And there was a gun wound on her neck. Wow. A yeah. lot was done to her. A lot was done. So the oh the timeline of what they think that happened was that she was probably raped, then strangulated. And to make sure that she was dead, they shot her. He shot her on the neck. They also say that. After all of this, it's when they ripped the baby out, killed the baby, sadly, and dis dismantled the body. Damn monstros. Like, yeah. It's it's so hard to believe that people... I mean, I know hemos cubierto muchos casos, but it's just, it's still hard to believe that people are capable of doing this. 
It always feels like the it can't get any worse, but somehow it still gets worse yeah. and worse um, as as we go along with these cases. It, it's it's pretty mind blowing. Yeah, because of the the situation, because it was a young woman and a child involved, um, the detectives ended up calling the body instead of calling it John Do- um, Jane Doe. They ended up calling the baby and the mother Beth and baby Doe because they couldn't really identify who they were. Basado en cómo las maletas estaban uh, acomodadas en, en la barranca del río, los detectives determinaron que fueron aventan, aventadas desde un carro. So where the river is, there is like a highway on top of it. So it's a highway and then the river is below it. So what they um, determined is that there was a car going south on the road and they just threw it out of a window or the back of a truck or something. And the the person that threw these um, luggages was determining to throw them into the river and hopes that the river would take the maletas. But what he did, what he or whatever this person didn't identify was that when the maletas fell, two of them fell next to the river and then one fell on top of the two falling and crashing open so that's Mm. how that's how Kenneth found the body so he found the head of the body next to the maletas because the maleta was open in impact yeah Yeah, y lo más curioso del caso es de que el niño dice que él siempre va a este río. Because he doesn't live that far away from the river. So what he would do was just walk around the river, you know, to like just play around in the river and then come back home. So that was like his routine. He says that a week prior to the to, to finding the body, he didn't see anything wrong. So you know how people say that that the body might have yeah so he said it might it could have been a week but it couldn't have been more because i usually tend to go to this river every every couple of days or every week and that maleta and the the body wasn't there the week prior so it must have been a week like no more than a week so it could have been during that week but he says that he would often go there but the location doesn't really correlate with anything else so they said that Somebody just threw it because they saw that there was a river and just decided to throw it off the bridge. Los detectives determinaron que este tipo de casos casualmente son por personas que conocen a la víctima based on the type of murder that was done. So based on the ripping of the child, the mutilating of the body, the strangulation, even the, the gunshot to the neck. It all kind of accumulates to the victim knowing who did it because everything everything takes time and it, it, it falls with like the victim knowing it but it also takes sho- time with the bodies yeah so it also shows that that the murderer um, had a lot of rage and anger towards yeah. this person mm-hmm. uh, and also it, it shows based on the mutilation of the body based on the characteristics that the victim had there was only a few body parts missing the nose and her breast I don't really know why, but the the detective said that it usually just so people wouldn't identify her face, because usually you identify 
the face with the center part of the uh, of someone's facial features and he decided to take that off so people wouldn't identify her so what authorities did was they did a reconstruction on what they had based on her hair her face and like adjusting different types of noses to her face to see what kind of fit best to her characteristics police after getting a digital uh well sketch because it was the 70s so a sketch of of her face they started to send boletines a diferentes publicaciones como newspapers uh news stations radio stations uh, around the town to see if there's anybody that was missing that resembled her so they, these authorities really tried their best to spread the word on this victim pero pasaron años y años y nadie vino uh, a identificar a Beth y Baby Doe. So, in 1983, enterraron los restos de Beth y de su hija en Lori Town Road Cemetery in Carbon Country, Pennsylvania. Y en el 2007, exhumaron el cuerpo de Beth y Baby Doe para extraer el ADN to update like a, their face features uh, with the new technology that they had. During the investigation, the National Center of Missing and Exploited Children released two updated digital portraits of what Beth Doe would possibly look like. They ruled out over 12 different people that could have been Beth Doe from across the United States. From, you know, east the East Coast, from the West Coast, from anything in between, even to a girl in Australia. That's how bad they were trying to look for Beth Doe. They... they they were really trying to find her. In 2019, a tip came into the Pennsylvania State Police Department. They said that the sketch resembled a lot to a missing girl named Madeline Maggie Cruz. 2019? Yes, in 2019. And this happened in 1979? No, 1976. 1976. Wow. I know. So it's been like a couple decades since. 40, 43 years. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So the anonymous caller explained that the sketch looked a lot like Maggie during the 1974. Maggie during this time was a foster child and she was placed in a foster home in some say Massachusetts, others say New York. So she was somewhere in the East Coast. She was placed in in a foster home there. For for most of the, the research that I did, they said that Maggie wasn't happy where she was at, so she convinced her foster sister to run away with her to these to New York City. A week later, her foster sister returned to her foster home, and Maggie was never to return back. So her foster sister returned to their foster home and in with her foster family, and Maggie never came back. She ran away. The caller also mentioned that two years later, after Maggie disappeared, Maggie called her friend saying that she was tight on money and she was pregnant at the time and needed money to to survive. However, a month after receiving uh, this uh, call, investigators traced Maggie and found Maggie Cruz alive. So they knew that their best doe wasn't Maggie. It sounded like it was going to be her, like the way yeah. that they were describing it. Yeah, especially because she needed money. She had called for help. She had called saying that she was pregnant. Um, yeah. And it was in the 1970s. It was matching. Yeah, it was 1976 mm-hmm. when she had called. 
So she, they, they, they thought it could have been Maggie. Their, their breath dough could have been Maggie. With advancements in technology, investigators decided to add Beth Doe's DNA into the DNA database. And in 2020, Beth Doe's DNA found a match. After contacting the family and running a few more DNA tests, authorities were finally able to identify their Beth Doe and give her family closure. On March 31st of 2021, authorities made a public statement that Beth Doe was identified as 15-year-old Evelyn Colon of New Jersey City, New Jersey. So... This was a 15-year-old girl who was pregnant that they found in Pennsylvania, but she was originally from New Jersey. So if you look at the map of the United States, yeah. those little cluster cities are very close together. Entonces, para hablar un poquito más de Evelyn, Evelyn Colón nació el 17 de abril de 1961 en una familia, de una familia puertorriqueña que vivía en New Jersey. Evelyn a los 14 años se enamoró de su vecino llamado Luis Sierra de, de 19 años de edad. Su familia explica que ellos no aceptaban la relación de Evelyn y Luis porque él era mayor que ella, eh, él estaba involucrado mucho en el crimen y ellos no querían a Evelyn que estuviera con él. Y en unas de estas salidas que, que encontraron a Evelyn con, con Luis... Uh, su papá le dijo a su mamá que ella no quería ver a Evelyn con Luis. Y para resolver, el, eh, y resolver esto y separarlos, se movieron um, a otro lugar en New Jersey. So they left and they moved New from their home in New Jersey to a different home in New Jersey in order to separate them enough so they wouldn't be together. Pero, yeah, because they don't find ways. Yeah, exactly. When, I mean, when teenagers are in love, they'll find a way, basically. Oh, encuentran la manera de verse. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Eso no impidió a Luis a buscar a Evelyn. Cuando Evelyn cumplió los 15 años de edad, se embarazó de Luis y se salió de la escuela y se mudó con Luis. Durante su tiempo juntos, la familia describe la, la relación con Luis, que era muy posesivo, violento y celoso. He would get jealous at her just even talking to her family. Él prohibió a Evelyn hablar con su con su familia y a visitarlos a su casa de ella. Wow, so, esto me recuerda like al caso de Vivian. Yeah. De Urego, the one yeah. that I covered a while back. Wow. Yeah, so he was really jealous. No quería que hablara con nadie. Él, él básicamente la dejaba en el apartamento y la encerraba en el apartamento. So she wouldn't be able to leave uh, the apartment. Según en aquí y ahora, el hermano de Evelyn declaró que Evelyn le dijo a su madre que si algo le pasaba a ella, que buscaran a Luis. Y es cuando su mamá empezó a, a, a ver que la relación entre Luis y Evelyn no estaba bien. A principios de diciembre de 1976, Evelyn le habló a su madre diciéndole que no se sentía bien y que sí le podía traer sopa a su casa. So, at this time, she was eight months pregnant, and she wasn't really feeling well. So, she was a couple of months, a couple of weeks before, you know, she is due to give birth. And she just kind of needed some comfort from her mom. Uh, y entonces, más tarde, la familia de Evelyn se reunió y le fueron a llevar sopa, just to stop by and visit, visit her. Cuando llegaron al apartamento, una de sus vecinas de Evelyn le dijo que ella no estaba en casa, que Luis y Evelyn se habían ido de la casa, 
y que se habían movido de casa. What? Yeah. Um, su hermano, que casualmente se llama Luis también, fue al apartamento y confirmó que ellos ya no estaban en la casa y que solo dejaron unas cosas y el portabebé, you know, the little baby carrier. Pero que en sí no tenían nada en la casa, que everything was kind of disheveled and they just kind of left in a hurry. En enero de 1977, la mamá de Evelyn recibió una carta muy extraña de parte de Evelyn, escrita en español diciendo que no se preocupara por ella y que el, ella y el bebé estaban bien, que ella nombró al el bebé Luis Sierra Jr. y que si necesitaba algo, ella se, contact, se contactaría con ellas, con su familia, y que al pasar el tiempo ella iba a regresar. Um, and according to her family, they said that they weren't worried about it because Evelyn tended to do that, where she would leave for a couple of bit or not talk to them for a while, but she would often come back and talk to them. And like, she, it, it just kind of was a pattern ever since she moved out with Luis. Mm, no and, nada extraño. Yeah, and that they didn't went to the police to report her as missing because it was the 70s and... Based on the timeline, the police was just going to say that she was a runaway and that she was a basically a grown woman running away with her boyfriend slash baby daddy. So she didn't really need to be found. So they kind of just left it off and that if Evelyn needed help and, and Evelyn wanted to contact them, that they would be there and she would just need to come back to them. They also thought that she might have wanted to move away with Luis and start a new family. Um, and even Leida, which is Evelyn's younger sister, um, assumed that Evelyn might have even changed her name or even changed her last name to start all over and possibly start a new life in a new place. A year later, so 19, December 1977, they still hadn't received any signs from Evelyn. And after a while, they noticed that she wasn't calling. She wasn't sending them mess like letters or coming to visit them. And just time just kept passing by. But the family kind of kept hope that she would come around and talk to them. Um, pero ellos siempre sentían como que si Evelyn se fue sin rastros y solo quería hacer una vida con Luis y no quería hablar con ellos. Y aunque ellos eran una familia muy unida, ella, ellos pensaron que she knew what was best for, for her and for her family now. So they didn't want to pressure her into communicating with them. So they just, just kind of kept her memory alive and not really, not really do anything to like upset her or like push her away further than she was already away from them. So they, they kind of just wow. waited for her return. That must have been hard for them. You can tell also, like, I, uh, in the interviews that I've seen of, of her family, they, they look heartbroken. Um, yeah. they, they look like they waited so long for her, and they were just waiting for her to come back home. Um, and they were hoping that they would find her. Years I'm assuming that después de años que ver que no escuchaban nada de ella, me imagino que ellos ya se imaginaban... Se empezaban a imaginar algo. Well, according to interviews... Or no. 
they did they never they lost didn't. hope they they never lost hope they just were hoping that she would come home or at they least they just thought that she just like needed her space and that yeah. she was like distancing herself from yeah. family yeah so they just thought that that's what she what she what she wanted and and they didn't want to they just wanted to see like when she would come back yeah yeah for years, the Colon family continued to carry Evelyn's legacy, telling their sons and their daughters about their aunt and how they continued to look for look for her after decades. So they probably didn't do like a big investigations where they would look for her, but they would go throughout the city and find people that look like her and like try to look for her in crowds or like in places that she would usually go visit and they would always hope that they would bump into her. Luis Colón Jr., Luis Colón's son, recalls his father talking fondly about his sister and wishing they could reconcile after many years. He recalls his father looking for her in different databases and Facebook, but he never found her. So he eventually thought that Evelyn had changed her name, and that's why they couldn't find her. According to CNN, Cologne Jr. explains that roughly in 2017, he decided to take a DNA, um, those DNA tests, like 23andMe, that shows your... Your family tree. Mm-hmm. So she, he wanted to reconnect with like his cousins because he knows that some of his cousins would have been roughly his age. So he thought, maybe I could find them and then eventually find her. So he decided to get one of those tests, do a test, have his wife do a test, have his, um, I think his aunt and her and his um, dad take a test and started to input his data, his DNA data into different uh, databases to see if he could find her. He encontrar a su tía. Yeah. Yeah. Luis indeed got a notification that they were mostly distant cousins. So he found cousins from far away in his family tree, but he never had a direct connection like a cousin or like his aunt. In March of 2021, he received a notification from a detective determining that he was a match to a victim of homicide in the 1970s. He then traded information and the detective sent him a sketch of a woman and a Wikipedia article named Beth Doe. In 2021, Officer Brian Knowles decided to connect with the family and they confirmed that indeed they were related to Beth Doe. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. This is kind of the hard part because in an interview, the detective said he had been on the case for probably five years and he wasn't even born when she had gone missing. And the detectives that took on her case had long gone, like not been involved in the case. He said that the hardest part about finding the family is having to tell the family that their loved one has passed away. So he then calls Luis Jr. and tells him that they indeed found his aunt's body's remain. And then it was Luis who told his father about what happened. And yeah. then he told his sister. 
Ay, qué difícil. Oh, man. It, it, and in one of the interviews, even the sister tells the tells Akiaura de que it's one of those things that you don't want to hear after many years of trying to keep hope alive that your sister will come back. Yeah. That your sister has been gone for decades and you've been trying to look for her for for a long time, thinking that she just wanted to make it. Yeah. Make a new life, yeah. En ese momento, yo imagino que prefieren haber, prefieren mejor pensar que ya se había ido. Yeah. A que algo así le pasó. 45 años. Yeah. And, wow. And the one of the sad parts about the case is that they described her mother to be very resilient in looking for her. To even... Mm -hmm moments in her deathbed she begged her daughter which is Leda to continue looking for Evelyn that to please find Evelyn so even throughout the years that, that she wasn't around plus on her deathbed she begged her kids to continue finding their sister which is completely heartbreaking when I heard that entonces la encontraron y los papás de de Evelyn ya se habían, de, yeah, ya habían pasado, her, ya se habían muerto. Yeah, her, her parents died in early 2000s. So mm. it had already, well, it was kind of already been like 20 years since their passing. Yeah. So you can only imagine like trying to find your sister for this period of time, 45 years. And then during that time losing your parents, but still holding on to hope to find your sister for another 20 years. Yeah. To finally find out that your sister had passed away tragically um it's completely heartbreaking mm -hmm. in 2021 after discovering um the true identity of beth doe officer brian knowles found evelyn's boyfriend uh luis sierra living in queens new york who made a living off of being a school bus driver They started interrogating him, and he denied knowing Evelyn completely, right off the bat. They asked him if he knew Evelyn Colon, and he said no. However, during the interrogation process, he later admitted that he knew Evelyn, and that they were dating, and that they were living together, and that, he, that she was having a child uh, from him. Hmm. He also said that she eventually said she wanted to leave him. And that she was going to return to her mother's house. Authorities pressed him on why he never tried to contact Evelyn again or his child. And he said that he did, that he tried many times, but that his, that he, she did, she didn't want to do, have anything to do with him. So she, he stopped. He also um, asked detectives uh, for one key piece of evidence that nobody knew about, which is the letter. He asked them about what happened to the letter that Evelyn wrote to her family. And after further interrogations, Luis admitted that he wrote the letter. And he said that in early January that they took a trip to Connecticut and that he he and Evelyn were looking at apartments and that he wrote the letter to send off to her family. They confronted Luis about the date stamped on the letter. And the, the day that the letter was received. To completely open up the case, they said 
Evelyn's body was found in December 20th. You sent the letter on January 1977. How is it that her body was dead in Pennsylvania, but you wrote the letter and sent it off from Connecticut in January? Yes. They confronted Luis about it, and they told him to explain how mm-hmm. did yeah. Evelyn end up writing that letter when she was already dead. During this time, Luis was baffled and caught off guard, and he knew that he was caught lying. The only issue that detectives had when trying to prosecute this case is that there is no evidence that Luis was the one who threw the body over the bridge. There's no evidence of fingerprints or any sort of detail that Luis was part of the murder Um, because he wasn't, because it was the 1970s. They couldn't record any evidence or any data like they do now. So they officially didn't have any proof that he was part of it. The only thing that they have is a confession of the letter that he wrote a month after Evelyn's death. The last known detail about Luis Sierra was that he was charged with criminal homicide and is in jail without bail for Evelyn's death. And the he will be ex- extracted to Pennsylvania for a trial on Evelyn's death. So the trial is still pending and we will mm. see if he will be charged with murder. Yeah. Wow. And to end it all, which is this is kind of the part that hit harder uh, harder to me was that Evelyn's sister, Leda, lived in Pennsylvania for more than 20 years, 15 minutes away from where her sister and niece were buried. In Nephew. The, well, no, her niece, because she, uh, Evelyn was having a daughter. Oh, the daughter. It was a oh, daughter. Oh, it's because in the letter, he put Luis, right? The, like, nombrado Luis. Yeah, but it was actually a daughter. Oh. Yeah. Oh, wow. I know. I probably skipped something in there, but yeah, she was actually having a daughter. And um, mm. yeah, so she lived 15 minutes away from the gravesite. And she. In an interview, oh she says she's completely heartbroken because yeah. she lived so close to her and she didn't even know that that her yeah her sister was right next, basically next to her. So this is the story of Evelyn Colon, also known as Beth and Baby Doe. That's heartbreaking. It is. It, it's one of those cases that you don't... You really wish people would come back home. And yeah. after finding these missing children, they would end up coming home. Mm-hmm. But you know that there's also this downside that there's a possibility that they will end up finding a, a dead body, sadly. And that's their way of coming home. 
but it's sad more saddening that there there wasn't an explanation for 45 years that they had to find it through dna and through so many investigations to finally find evelyn and finding out the way that they did Qué bueno que el sobrino decidió hacer esto. Yes. Porque me imagino que hubieran pasado a lo mejor más años. Yeah. Sin saber. And also I feel like even though it's a hard news for them, it still gives them some sort of peace. Yeah, there's some closure. Not what they were expecting. But... But at least now they know where she is. Yeah. That's kind of like where you kind of want to settle everything at. It's like, at least mm-hmm. now they're not kept wondering if she's okay, if, if you know, if she's suffering or anything. At least now they know where she is. As hard it is to wrap your head around it. Yeah, ya está con su mamá y con su papá. Yeah, definitely. And I know you said it's still, like, they're still... They haven't given a day for the trial. Yeah. So, imagine... Um, entonces, cuando esto suceda, we'll make sure to stay on top of it and Definitely. give you guys information. We will keep you guys uh, posted on whether this case opens up. I know that they said that they were going to try to continue the trial in August of 2021. But because of COVID and um, the courts uh, opening up again... Um, they're slowly transitioning into cases and yeah. having sessions and stuff. It's taking a while. So it's going to take yeah. a while. So they're saying that it might happen this year or maybe in 2023. So if anything, we'll keep you guys posted on on what the final verdict is on that. And um, hopefully this this um, this gives the family a little bit more closure and and justice for what Evelyn had to go through. Yeah. Si tienen más información de este caso or you guys just want to you know, connect with us, nos pueden mandar un mensaje. Uh, nos pueden encontrar en Twitter, Instagram, TikTok como at SVSM underscore podcast o en Facebook como So Violento So Macabro Podcast. Para escuchar otros episodios que hemos grabado, nos pueden encontrar en Spotify o Apple Podcast como So Violento So Macabro Podcast. And, you know, just please continue to bring awareness to these cases by recommending us to your friends and family. Also by reposting our stories or our posts. You know, let's make sure we continue speaking about these victims and make sure that they are not forgotten. Completely agree with that. But that was the case for this week. Yeah. It, uh, was, it was hard. Every case, it's difficult. And we try to do our best to tell these stories in a respectful way. We sure do. And I feel like we try our best to to give like a, a rundown about it. And of course, we're going to miss information and mm-hmm. probably small details. But I feel like the most important thing that we have to mention is that we're trying our best to put the information out there. Talk about these cases that aren't really well known or aren't really viewed in high like multitudes in the media and and we we just want to give them a little bit of voice and and hopefully um shine some light on their case and know that they're not forgotten yeah but yeah um that's the case for this week and um we hope to talk to you guys soon
Yep. Uh, see you guys or hear you. See you guys next week. Ahí nos escuchan para la otra semana. And, and yeah, see you then. Have a good weekend. Have a good weekend. Stay spooky. Bye. Bye.